Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. How you doing, Mike? Hey, you know, Justin, it's just another day down here in Southwest Florida. What can I tell you? Yeah, our, our weather up here is is uh, warming up, but it's not, uh, I, I wouldn't call it warm today by any stretch. All right. So um, again, uh, let, let me, uh, t- today we're going to be talking more taxes. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, you and I did a tax show that was, uh, you know, a little bit more specific to tax returns and tax documents. I think we're going to do a more of a big picture, uh, a more big picture tax show here. So if anyone has any questions out there, you can give us a ring. Uh, 978-454-4980 is the number. We are live in the Merrimack Valley. Uh, also, if you want to shoot us an email, you can email us at questions at mcnamaraonmoney.com. All right. So it's your show today. I'll let you do most of the hosting duties. Uh, you know, I did, I did want to clear up one thing from our show two weeks ago. We work, we, we, we did get a caller, I'm sorry, an, an emailer after our show. Uh, and I had, I had discussed the qualified uh, charitable distribution and I had, and I had discussed making larger one-time charitable contributions because of the way that the, the new standard deduction works, right? Most people don't itemize their deductions. And so what, what happened in, as a result of that was that, uh, you know, a lot of charitable contributions, right, for, especially for folks making small dollar contributions were no longer deductible. We did get an emailer that corrected me. Uh, there is a, they did now add, they have subsequently added a $300 per year 
uh, deduction for charitable contributions, right? So it's not, you know, it's not not talking about, you know, it's not large dollars particularly. And if you were used to giving, you know, uh, you know, five grand to your church or whatever, the, or whatever it is, it probably it wouldn't help you all that much. But uh, I did want to make that correction for our listeners from last show. We we had uh, we did have that wrong. I had forgotten about that three hundred bucks. So three hundred dollars is you know up to three hundred dollars in charitable contribution is deductible for you uh, for all the for all you out there who uh, who heard me last week tell you something different. Yes, and that was probably your first mistake in what a couple of years? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, don't get used to this, right? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, we did. I, and I, I believe we started off the uh, we started off the show and just about every segment of the show saying that we're not a accountants and uh and you know we were doing a tax show to, to the best of our knowledge so uh turns out we got one wrong but yeah thank you uh, out there to the listeners for correcting us yeah and while we're on uh, that subject folks uh, if you happen to be a, a tax preparer or a cpa listening to this show uh, if you'd like to weigh in on some of the things we're going to chat about we'd love to hear from you because uh we're not tax professionals we we think we know what we need to know when it regard to taxes and investments but uh because they keep changing things around there it does get a little confusing so anyway our, our phone number if you're a cpa and if you'd like to harass us or help us along anywhere <laughs> in the next two hours our phone number is 978-454-4980 okay if you want All to right. take a break if you want to take a break from doing someone's return and give us a hard time you know give there you us, go give us a there ring you, there you go okay <laughs> uh anyway so so here's the deal okay so um taxes affect your investment return How's that for a broad-based statement, my son? Because whether you know it or not, and you probably do, whatever you earn, you have to pay taxes on whatever you earn. Never mind inflation. We'll get to that in another show, but you have to pay taxes. So, so because taxes reduce the returns on your money, we figured, or at least I figured, it was good to have a show about the tax characteristics of investments. And if you knew the tax characteristics of investments, and more importantly, if you knew your own tax bracket and tax situation, well, then you should be able to choose wisely about uh, the investments that you may have given the circumstances. And uh, by the way, if you already have investments, maybe this show will, you'll find out that maybe it's not in the best place from a tax point of view for your situation, but uh, we, we can only go where we're going and see what happens from there. So I, I, I thought I would uh, start off the show with some definitions okay about tax stuff uh, in the okay and so i'll just do the list and then quickly we'll just kind of run down the list we have tax deferred investments we have tax free investments we have taxable investments we have tax losses short and long we have taxable gains short and long we have tax efficient portfolios we have tax deductions and we have tax credits in the investment world therefore okay i have a headache already okay in terms of all these terms so what we what i thought we'd do is just kind of start off with a quick general definition of these terms and then maybe cite an example or two from an investment point of view just to kind of lay the framework i guess of where we're going from here so tax deferred a tax deferred investment is something where you don't pay taxes on what you earn until later. Okay, my son, how about an example or two of tax deferred investments? So this is just, yeah, just, so just your, your classic 
IRA or 401k that is, you know, traditional. So we're not talking about a Roth here. You would have a tax, you know, tax deferred. You put your money into your 401k uh, and you take a tax deduction, right? So you don't pay taxes on the money on the way in. And then as it grows inside of your 401k, as, as all of us know, or I. Hello. I learned a thousand dollars in capital gains. Yep. And so we are now going to need to, uh, you know, you're going to owe some taxes on that money. So that's the tax deferred bucket um, because you're not paying taxes along the way and you only pay taxes on the way out. Yeah. And if you're going to do one of those tax deferred investments, you should probably be mindful of what your tax bracket is now and have a pretty good idea or a guess about what it's going to be later because that's a material fact. Okay. That's number one, tax free investments. Tax-free investments mean that you no, pay no taxes on either your income or your gains. And I can only think of two examples of that. You want to take your guesses, my son? Tax-free uh, Roth IRA? Yeah, that's one. You got to... Okay. I'm losing you a little bit on the audio, Justin. I hope that's not a Uh-oh. problem. Tax-free. Right. Yep. Uh, I have a Roth IRA is tax free. Okay. What else do you have? 529 college savings plans if used for the right reasons and the interest and the interest on tax free municipal bonds. Okay. So tax free sounds terrific folks, but that also kind of depends on your tax bracket. And we'll get into that in a little while. If your tax bracket is 15% tax free, doesn't sound as exciting as if your tax bracket is 37%. And we'll get into some numbers on that in a little while. Okay. Taxable investments. I guess just quickly on municipal bonds. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that's so the interest on municipal bonds would be tax free, although you do have potential appreciation on them. So they're not they're not fully tax free as an investment, although I guess potentially tax free is the best way to. And I to would say that, that we have p- potential depreciation on tax free bonds going forward, but that's another story. OK. All right. Taxable investments. OK, folks, any money that's not inside of a tax hiding place of one way, shape or form is taxable. Okay, Uh, and in an example of a taxable investment would be that uh, you and or you and your spouse open up a regular old account uh, for investing, either an individual account or a joint account, and you go out and buy some investments uh, and stick them in that account. That's a taxable portfolio. And depending on the investments that you have, you could have taxes on your dividends, you could have from the stocks, you could have taxes on your interest or not from your bonds, and you could have short and long-term gains, hopefully, on the portfolio. So so anything that's not hiding from taxes, which are most individual, most joint, and most trust accounts, would fit the general def- definition of taxable. And by the way, taxable is not a, a bad word for a variety of reasons, and we'll also get to that in a little while. Okay, taxable gains. Okay, if you have an investment that grows in value for some strange reason or other you have gains okay and you know if your ten dollar mutual fund is now worth 15 okay well you have a built-in five dollar gain in that investment okay you don't pay a tax on a gain until you actually realize it. So in that simple example, if your $10 went to 15, okay, if you do nothing, that's a tax deferred so far, 
you're hiding it from taxes. But the moment that you sell it, you create a gain for tax purposes, and you'll be taxed on the difference from what you bought it for and what you sold it for. That okay for a definition, my son? Absolutely. Yeah. By the, by the way, your video, I don't see you moving around, so I'm not sure what's you going know, on. I think audio is working. I don't know. If, I, I hope I, one of our computers, I shut down all my uh, all my extra my extra windows in my computer, so I'm, I'm worried okay. that someone is not getting a good feed, but I can hear you just fine. Can you well, hear that's me? All, that's all that counts. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I can't this show This is an you- audio medium, so let's well, I was going to give you the one finger, one minute to the break kind of thing, and I can't do that now. You're confusing me here, my. You know what? I have, I okay. have the. Uh, we'll go right. At, we'll go right at ten thirty. All right. I have a clock here up in front of me. So no all right, all right. So, folks, by the way, it's it's okay to have a taxable portfolio, but there are certain conditions that have to be satisfied, in our opinion, before you do. And we'll get to that in a little while as well. Okay. So, by the way, when you have a gain a taxable gain that is realized, okay, it happened, okay, uh, they come in two, two different flavors, short-term gains and long-term gains. If you bought something and sold it for profit in less than a calendar year, very simple, okay, that's a short-term, not, not a calendar year, any uh, one-year period of time, I apologize. If you buy a stock and sold it within a 12-month period of time, it's a short-term gain, and that's taxed at a higher rate basically your income tax rate, then a long-term gain, which is a gain on something you hold more than a year, that's taxed at capital gains rates. And oh, by the way, just to make this even more confusing, the amount of capital gains tax that you might pay depends on your existing tax bracket to begin with. You know, we need, you know, we, we need lots of employment for accountants and attorneys to keep the world complicated. So this, the tax code is one of those things for sure. And don't forget financial planners too. Uh, Yeah, we, we have, (laughs) yes and we you know we went over that two weeks ago so everyone should be everyone should be very familiar with the capital gains tax rates and the uh and the corresponding uh, income tax levels yep okay all right so all right so now we have tax efficient sounds like a very professional word doesn't it sounds like a this sounds this doesn't sound like it has as as hard a definition right this is like uh a little a little smushy Kind, kind, kind of fuzzy, I would say, but, 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 but that's okay. All right. So, so if you have a portfolio that is subject to tax, a taxable portfolio, yep. well, okay, uh, depending on how much money you have in there, and, and we'll get to that as well in a little while, okay, uh, you know, you, you, there are some ways that you may be able to uh, reduce the legal amount of taxes that you have to pay on a portfolio. We'll get to that. Uh, and and it, it relates to the investment that you might purchase and a bunch of other things. Okay. But sure, it sounds like a great idea. Uh, and we'll touch on an example of a tax efficient portfolio here a little further on down the line. If you do have taxable investments, it makes sense to try to have them as efficient as possible. But the, the the overriding thing I'm going to keep coming back to uh, for the, the balance of the show is that you need to pay attention to taxes and you need to know what your tax bracket and situation is. But there are times when you don't let the tax tail wag the dog of your strategy, if you know what I mean. You, 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 you don't want to focus just on the taxes. Sometimes it's a lot better to smile and pay taxes than to try to avoid them. So sometimes you can focus too much on taxes and not get as much of an investment return 
return because of what you do. And we'll, we'll come to some examples of that as well. So tax efficient is good if it makes sense for you, I guess is the way I would say that. Jess, what's your thought? Yeah, I mean, so you, you don't want to just, you know, you don't want to do examples of that now. We're going to get a, we're going to do a deeper dive. Oh, go ahead. Give, give well, us no, I just, well, I, I just wanted to say that, yeah. you know, just to, just to, I think reiterate, cause you already did say it, but you know, tax efficient is going to be different for different investors, right? Because of the way the tax system is set up, you don't, you know, uh, you know, you, if you're in a, if you're a lower income taxpayer, your version of tax, you know, you don't necessarily need as much tax efficiency in your portfolio. Whereas if you're in the highest tax bracket, uh, a tax efficient portfolio may mean different things to you, right? Because so because of the, the way the income tax system is set up, um, you know, you, you need to, you can't just say, Hey, here's a tax efficient portfolio in general. I mean, in, in general, that could be correct, but you may have different, um, different needs for different types of taxpayers. So it, it yeah. kind of depends on, it's very individualized yeah. when you talk about this. Yeah. T- taxes are one of the considerations when you make an investment. Uh, most of the time, it shouldn't be the most important. It, it's as simple as that, folks. There are other variables that go in that equation and you got to kind of mix them up according to your f- financial situation and how you feel about things. That's all. Yep. Okay. All right. The last two. Okay. Tax deductible. Okay. Oh, I need I need some tax deductions. We we don't get that very much anymore because interest rates are so low, right? In, in terms of how that works. Yep. <laughs> All right. So so folks, uh, let me start off with a a bland statement. Uh, tax deductions are not something you should go after just because they're a tax deduction. Okay. Uh, t- tax deductions are overrated. Uh, they, they, they are, they are a way to maybe help you afford something a little bit better, but just going shopping or trying to create tax deductions because you're in a high tax break. I, yeah. I got, I got a problem with that. I, I'll give an example. Uh, uh, and it has to do with uh, interest rates on uh, whether it's mortgages or home equity lines of credit, but interest rates. Okay. So, and I'm going to make up some numbers folks. Um, that aren't, aren't exactly correct these days for sure, but they'll illustrate a point and it'll make the math easy <laughs> over the radio. Okay. So uh, we're, we're going to pretend somebody's in the 33% tax bracket because it's a third. Okay. With that, my son, that's number sure. one. Okay. There is, yeah, uh, I, yeah. No such bracket. I don't think, but yes, I, we got I, we're doing I, examples here. I yeah. understand it. Yep. This is generic. Okay. Yep. And, and we're going to pretend, okay. That interest rates uh, on mortgages are 6%. They're not folks. They're about three, but just bear with me. This is just an example. So let's see. Okay. If, if you have a 6% interest rate, uh, uh, on your home equity line of credit. I'll use that to, to make it easy from the math point of view. Okay, well, let's see. If I, if I borrowed uh, $100,000 from my equity line of credit at 6%, okay, um, I get a, a tax deduction of one-third of that amount of the investment. You okay so far? Yep. Okay, so uh, so just I don't mean to be the tax, you know, be, be the nitpicker here, but you, you know, it depends on what you use your home equity line of credit balance for, right? If you use it to, uh, I think it's improve the if it's improve the your home or renovations, then it is tax deductible. It, it yep. has to be used for stuff like that. If you, you know, if you take it out and buy a car, it is technically not tax deductible any longer. Sorry, there, there is a place for nitpickers in the world. What a buzzkill! What a buzzkill! I, I, I get it, but anyway, well, I know you're not gonna. I know you're you're not going to do these small detail stuff. So somebody, 
And I know you have trouble with a big picture once in a while. Yeah, so, hey, we, can, we, we kind of work out okay. Uh, so, folks, all right, so so this is very simplistic. Geez, I think I'd, I'd like some tax deductions. I'm going to go borrow $100,000. That's a $33,000 tax deduction. Forget about whether you can use it or not. I'll, I'll make it 10000 to make it easy, Justin. You borrow $10,000, yep. and all of a sudden, you have a $3,333 tax deduction. Holy cow, I can put that, if I can, on my tax return, and I'm going to shrink my taxes by $333. And and my comment will be, well, well, that's nice, but it costs you $666, okay, to pay for the loan, okay, right. which, which is at 6%. Okay, so if you're going to save a third of 6%, 2%, but it costs you 4% to, to do that, how many of those did you want to buy, folks? Did you want to line up and do that? If you have to take out a mortgage on your home, okay, most people do, uh, and the fact that there is uh, a tax deduction that goes along with that, well, that's just a that makes it more affordable for you to buy that home, or or it makes the cost of that loan less. Per- perfectly legitimate. But if you didn't have a mortgage on your property, why on God's green earth would you go shopping for tax deductions? Because it still costs you two thirds if you're in the 33% tax bracket. Okay, same thing, same thing for business owners. Oh my gosh, it's the end of the year. I got all my all these profits I'm just made. I got to buy something that I can deduct 100% off my tax return. <laughs> and I, again, I don't know which one's which, but let's, I'm going to spend $10,000 on a, a new computer that I don't need, but I'll get a tax deduction for that sort of a thing. So, so the, the, the same thing applies. Okay. If you needed that computer, fine. But if you really didn't need it, but you just wanted to save money, why, why would you do that sort of a thing? So, so tax deductions generally just make it easier or, or less costly to borrow money if you needed to borrow money period. Okay. But if you don't have to borrow money, I can't think of a very good reason to create a tax deduction. By the way, if you're in the 20% tax bracket, it costs you four fifths to, to do that. You know, you save 20% and you paid 80% to borrow the money. So tax deductions overrated. Okay. And Justin, I'm going to let you take the last one because I'm going to surprise you here. So tax credits, boy, this is like the Holy grail. Okay. When it comes to taxes, you want to take a quick one at that? Tax credit. Well, a, a tax credit is you know just as it sounds. It's you you get you know you have money in a, in the case of a deduction, right? You would you would take a deduction of say ten thousand dollars, and then you get to save whatever your tax rate is, right? So if you had a ten thousand dollar tax deduction and you're in that and you're in our hypothetical thirty three percent tax bracket, then you get to save three hundred and thirty dollars, right? Oh no, yep. no, sorry, thirty three hundred dollars. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if you have a ten thousand dollar tax credit, you actually save ten thousand dollars, right? So if you get, if you're if you're getting a tax credit, if you get the full amount, and it's not uh, going to be a percentage based on whatever your income tax rate is. Yep. Um, and the, you know, in the case of you know, you know, full disclosure, we don't do a lot of tax. And I know there are investments that offer tax credits. We don't, uh, we don't do many of them, but I know there are investments. Generally, if you're, you know, if you're, there are investments that where you put money into, uh, you know, maybe maybe low income properties, and they off, and you know, there are tax credits offered for those types of investments. Uh, I'm, we're not experts on it because that's not something that we're involved in, and so I hope you're not asking for too much detail on it. <laughs> uh, well, well, by the way, I purchased. Uh, 
some tax credit investments for clients a long time ago. Oh, I know. And when I when I figured out the math, I said, you know, if the properties that you buy don't appreciate or do anything, okay, your, your return was like equal to the tax credits that you got. Okay, so 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 by the way, the tax credit investments generally an example of why you don't buy an investment just for the tax purposes. Okay, uh, you know, if you if you had a five percent tax credit, your return on that investment was five percent a year because you did get your tax credits. By the way, in most of those cases, the properties were worthless or sold for less than you purchased. They weren't right. good investments. And that's a perfect example of, yeah, if you needed credits, fine, but don't expect to get anything more than that sort of a thing. There was a trade-off involved for getting those credits and it made it a relatively poor investment. And, and, and we'll get to that theme. Where do we get to the oil and gas tax shelters at the end of this show, my son here? I'm so excited. I can't stand it. Okay. But, but the bottom line is t- tax credits are wonderful things. There's only a few cases. I think there's a child tax credit. I think there's a, some college tax credits. So sure. there's a few of them sprinkled around. Earned in income tax, tax credit. Yeah, earned income, stuff like that. Okay. Tax credits are gold if you can qualify for them. Uh, tax deductions. Okay. If you don't need them, don't take them is the short story from my point of view. All right. So John, Justin, well, we have about 50 seconds well, left here. So yeah, I would just say that, you know, tax credits are on the investment side. You know, we, we should we should draw a line between tax credits for investments that you yep. make and yep. then tax credits that you qualify for some other reason, like obviously, yep. you know, uh, based on your income or based on, you know, uh, basically, you know, ha- having children and, and what your income is. So those are, those are great. And obviously if you qualify for them, you know, you want to know about it and, and make sure you get all the money that you're entitled to via the tax code. Um, the, the comments you made specific to tax credits were that, you know, there, there certainly were, and, you know, I assume still are investments that are sold with, you know, the, that offer tax credits in them and it's tax credits are great but it's right it's only it's only one piece of your return right if you get if you buy an investment that has a, a you know a five percent tax credit on it um you know that's that's fantastic except if you're if the rest of the investment uh, drops in value then you can get less than that five percent i'm sorry i gotta wrap it up i was trying to finish when, when the investments drop in value by the way <laughs> yeah. time for a break are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara. I could hear the intro music that time. And so I was able to come in at my standard, my standard time in, in the, uh, in the song there. So, um, <laughs> hey, by the way, give that a little bit more time. I like that song, you know, another four or five seconds before you start talking, wouldn't be bad. You know, that's, you think our, more? that's our signature theme. When people hear that on our commercials during the week and in the show that they, they recognize us. So don't, don't diminish. Maybe, well, maybe Cindy can just fade it out. Cindy, next time maybe just fade <laughs> it out. So we get, I'll come in and then, uh, you know, give us a few more seconds. Uh, okay. So we are back. Uh, welcome back to McNamara on money. My name is Justin McNamara and we are talking taxes again today. Uh, and uh, let me just, let me give out the, uh, the call in numbers. Um, if you want to give us a ring, uh, please don't hesitate. We're live in the Merrimack Valley today. Telephone number is 978-454-4980. And if you want to shoot us an email, that works too. Uh, email is questions at mcnamaraonmoney.com. All right. So you are, I, I think we, 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 finished up our definitions and examples section of, of, uh, of the show here. And I think we're moving on to, to the next, the next big thing. Yeah. It's probably the biggest decision. Uh, most fake folks listening to us make out there. And it's what, what 
choice is the retirement plan? What choices do you have available to you? P picking the appropriate retirement plan is probably <clears throat> the largest investment decision anybody listening to us will ever make sort of a thing. So you, you might want to get it right is where I'm going with this. And, <clears throat> you know, we're talking about the practical side of taxes and tax decisions and investments. So yes, yes, it is. Okay. So Along, I would say along with, uh, you know, uh, real estate purchases, stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yep. How about it's one of the most one important the, decisions. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Okay. And we could argue about how much real estate is going to grow for the rest of our lives as well, but we won't. All right. So move, moving right. You're pessimistic today. I feel you're feeling a little pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> move, moving right along. <clears throat> so folks, um, if you do not have some kind of retirement plan at your place of work available to you, yep. well, then, then your choices are simple. Okay, you can either, for, by, by the way, these for folks who are not self-employed, okay, we could spend four hours on the different other kinds of things. But anyway, for most folks who don't have a retirement plan offered to them at work, they can either do a regular old IRA, I put the old in there, or they can do a Roth IRA. Traditional, yeah, well, it's called, now it's called <laughs> traditional, right? Because Roth has become so, has become so, uh, you know, so, so ubiquitous that we now have to say Roth versus traditional. I don't think I can spell that word, Justin, but good choice. Ubiquitous. Okay. Anyway. I don't even on. know if it's the right word. I think I think I used it correctly. Yeah, I, I think you did. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'd have to check with your mother on that to be sure, but whatever. All right. So folks, okay. Uh, the, the traditional IRA, okay, is a deduction, okay, off of your taxes. It, it was $6,000. Is that the number now, yep. Justin? Okay. Yep. So if you're under age 50 and you don't have a retirement plan offered to you at work and you want to, I should say, and you need to have a retirement plan option, a traditional IRA is probably the place to start. And you can put up to $6,000 in there. And if you're over 50, they have a catch-up provision where you can put in $7,000. Okay. So the way a traditional IRA works, this is like better than sliced bread, okay? Uh, it's like the eighth wonder of the world. If you put $6,000 into a traditional IRA and you qualify for one, your income just shrank by $6,000 <clears> and you had a tax deduction, okay, uh, equal to $6,000 and depending on your tax bracket, X amount of dollars you're saving taxes, okay? Okay, uh, and then the, the deal is that not only... Uh, you're investing hundred cent dollars. That's the way I like to describe putting money in most retirement plans because you didn't have any taxes taken out of there before it went to work for you sort of a thing. So in a traditional IRA, okay, A, it's a deduction. This is a wonderful thing. It shrinks your income and B, it's tax deferred. Okay. For as long as you leave the money in there, and until you're forced to start taking some of it out at age 72, it's deferred, okay? But then whenever you hear the word deferred, folks, you wanna also know when you start taking it out, how is it taxed, okay? So in a, in a regular IRA, if you put in 6,000 and it grows to 10, when you start taking the money out, it's all taxed as regular income. By the way, if you put $6,000 into a stock and it grew to 10 and you didn't sell it, 
until it was later, that was taxed as capital gains. So, so in IRAs, the good news is it's a tax deduction. The second good news is that all of the things that you earn inside of that IRA are deferred until you choose or have to take money. But understand that when the money comes out of there, all of it is taxed at regular income, okay, not at capital gains rates like if it was taxable money. Am I okay so far with that, my son? So far? Yeah. Okay. So most people should choose that. Not all, but most. Okay. And and here's the here's the reason, and it's pretty simple, folks. Okay. Um, the, you have to ask yourself two questions when you choose a retirement plan. What tax bracket am I in? And then the second question is, what tax bracket might I be in when I retire? Now, I understand that nobody knows the future, but for a very large percentage of the people who are listening to this show right now, I'm pretty safe to say that whatever your tax bracket is now, it's probably going to be lower when you're retired. You know, when people retire, they generally earn less income from their investments and social security than they were earning. So from uh, th this is pretty simple for most folks, whatever your bracket is now, you can worry, worry to death about changes in tax laws after you retire, but whatever it is now, it's probably going to be lower in retirement. And if that comes to pass, let's see. And I'm making up the tax brackets, folks, because we don't want to get confused here. But if I'm in the 30% tax bracket now, and if I'm in the 10% tax bracket at retirement, let's see, I can save money, okay, by saving at 30%, and I only have to pay it at 10%. That's pretty good leverage and, a, and an extremely good reason why most folks listening to us should, if you just had to pick between one or the other, should choose the traditional IRA for those purposes, okay? Uh, for, for those of you who are saying, nah, now nah, when I retire, even though my income might be lower, the IRS is going to raise taxes on everybody and I'm going to be screwed unless I do the Roth IRA. I don't want to do this. My tax bracket's going to be higher. If you believe that, well, there are some people out there who will have the same tax bracket or higher a higher tax bracket in retirement, those people might have a different choice. Okay, but for most people, the answer is the traditional IRA. Anyway, okay, uh, you know, in terms of the tax code, okay, uh, it, you know, my thought is that if the IRS is going to change, if the government is going to change the tax code, which they do about every four or five years, and if they're going to go out and raise more money, okay, for whatever they need, like paying off their debts, they're not going to pick on what retired folks. <laughs> they're not going <laughs> to pick on retired folks with low incomes. They're going to pick on middle and high income people. They're yeah. probably not going to pick on most folks who are retired. So anyway, please, oh, please, most people, okay, take a tax deduction at your current rate, and pay taxes at a lower one later makes a whole lot of sense. Okay, I'm going to take a breath on that, my son. Any comments? Or yeah, sure. I mean, you know, just specific to you know. So we're generalizing, right? And and you know, for for context, what we do uh, on a very regular basis is we sit down with clients, and we you know a lot of a lot of our planning work happens to be with sort of pre-retirees and early retirees because that's when people are really serious about uh, you know about the rest of their lives. And part of that process for us is looking at tax uh, is looking at taxes and their tax rate 
And so, you know, we, we regularly will, will sit down with someone who is in their, you know, who is in their fifties and we project forward their tax rates and, and, you know, and we see this all the time, right there. And, you know, they may be earning, uh, you know, a good income in the 24 or the 32% federal, you know, marginal federal tax bracket. And then it drops down to the, you know, the 22 or the 12 once they retire. So, you know, we, we see this on a regular basis, you know, the key is it's, that's just a generalization in, in everyone's tax situation is is potentially different year to year. So, you know, if you had to just pick one for the rest of your life, then you probably would want to, you know, you'd probably pick the deductible. But, you know, the reality is, is that it's a year to year decision. If you're doing an IRA, you can fund it at the end of the year every year. Because you know, I know I know we started this with, a, with an IRA example, right? So you actually don't need to, um, you don't need to make the decision with the IRA at the beginning of the year, you can make it at the end and you could say, well, Hey, I'm in a low tax bracket this year. Maybe it's a Roth or I, I'm in a higher one. Maybe it's a, a traditional, right? So um, I, you know, I, I just, I don't want people to come out of here and say, Oh, I should do a traditional IRA because there are lots of folks, you know, maybe earlier in the, in their career or who are having, you know, a down year because of, you know, because of COVID or whatever it is that may be more appropriate for a Roth. Um, but yeah, make sure you know your own situation. And don't just take whatever the whatever the guy on the radio said and said, oh, this is what I, I should do. I thought I was being pretty generic here, but thank you, my son. Your overall point is correct, right? <laughs> that, you know, most people. Oh, oh thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's move along here. So let's get to that Roth IRA. Oh, my God. This is like the ninth wonder of the world, Roth IRAs. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. Okay. So, so folks, here, here's how a Roth IRA works. And by the way, anybody listening to us, who doesn't have a retirement plan at work, okay, and who's choosing either a traditional or a Roth, a Roth IRA is a choice. There are some folks in situations where they make sense. For most, I'm being generic here, probably not. Okay, so why would you choose a Roth IRA? Uh, if you were pretty sure that your tax bracket now and your tax bracket in retirement are about the same, it doesn't matter. Okay, if you're pretty sure, okay, that your tax bracket in retirement is going to be higher than now, that's a rare event, folks, then you should be doing a Roth all the time. Okay, in a Roth, you put after tax dollars in the Roth. If you if you put $6,000 in a Roth, folks, you had to earn seven or eight thousand dollars to pay the taxes to net six thousand to put it in the Roth. Please understand that you put taxable money into a Roth that's already been taxed. And so I like to say you're not investing with a hundred cent dollar. If your tax bracket is 33%, there I go making that up again, you just uh, invested a 67 cent dollar in a Roth IRA. Don't get confused about that. Okay, so there's after-tax money that goes in there. You did not get a deduction. However, if you follow the rules, leave it alone for five years, uh, you know, be, be older than 59 and a half, whatever uh, is in there for earnings or growth or income or however you want to describe that, whatever is in there, you take it out, it's absolutely tax-free. So basically, you got tax-free growth on all of your investment interest and earnings for that entire time and at the end. That's pretty cool, okay? Um, there, there are a few people 
whose tax brackets are about the same in retirement as existing. Maybe they're candidates for Roth. I, I think some younger folks too, Justin, just getting started out in life, 20s and 30s, they, they might be in whatever tax bracket, but there's a pretty good chance that as their earnings grow, their tax brackets are going to get higher. But I can make a case for some young folks in their 20s and 30s who aren't making a ton of money and or are still in a lower tax bracket to do a Roth because the time and compounding on tax free is a whole lot. You got a whole lot going for you if you're in your 20s and 30s and don't need the money for 40 years. You OK with that? Uh, no, no, that's not how the, that's not how the math works. But yeah. If you're if you're a young, you know, generally younger folks are in uh, lower tax brackets, right? Because you know most yep. people start out and you know and and, right. and and therefore the Roth is more appropriate. Yep. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with the with the compounding, right? Because if you you know the Roth, it's it really it's what your tax bracket is now versus when you take it out. And again, there's so much there, there, there's so much complexity. Yeah. in this entire discussion, right? Because everyone's tax rate changes, uh, you know, it potentially changes every year. Income tax rates can potentially change. You know, if, if you're in your thirties, you, you know, we may have the rates change 10 times before you retire, right? So there's, there's a ton of complexity that's involved in this. Not to mention the fact that where you put your money from a Roth versus traditional point of view is going to affect your tax rate in retirement, right? So for folks of your generation who grew up Right, who or, you know who may have been saving a bunch of money in their four hundred one k before Roth was an option, you know they you know we have some folks with some substantial IRA balances, and that can you know that can affect your tax bracket, right? Because if you take out four percent of your of your three million dollar IRA when you retire, you're adding a substantial income figure to your taxes in that year, and it may jump you a bracket or two. So right, there's there's a there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is why it's it's kind of the thing you want to revisit on a on a on a periodic basis just for you because it's you know there's no no easy answers on it everything's very individualized we're we're talking generically because you have to on the radio but uh, please look at your own situation and make sure that you're you're doing the one that works best for you yeah by the way my point was uh, tax free compounding is better than tax deferred compounding for some for some folks but anyway moving moving along so let let's talk about a couple of the exceptions for doing a Roth. Okay. Uh, okay. okay. And, and you just named one of them. Okay. And again, this is not a lot of people listening to the show percentage wise, but if you happen to have a pretty good size 401k. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just to, to be clear, we didn't, did not mention, uh, but you know, both Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs have, do have income limits, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just, uh, we, we covered that last show. So we'll, uh, yeah. we'll just assume that our, that our taxpayers who are deciding are, are eligible for these, uh, for either one of these options. Yeah, and I'm not going there again. Okay, anyway, but the, so so the bottom line is, if the amount of money, you know, at age 72, they make you start taking money out of your IRA. And by the way, maybe when you retire, you need to take a bunch out of your 401k to be okay. So if you got a big 401k, you may have a higher tax bracket in retirement, okay, than you do now. So, so that's an entirely appropriate choice. Maybe at a certain point to say, yeah, I'm just going to stop doing the tax deductible tax deferred 401k. I'm going to do the Roth 401k because I don't want to make my 401k balance too big that it'll bring my tax bracket higher. Again, there are some folks listening to us for whom this is an issue, but for the bulk of the folks, pr probably not given the circumstances. Okay. So I, I'm doing that myself. I, and a lot of folks we work with, we looked at what they what they had to take out of their 401k and their tax brackets went up and all of a yeah. sudden, well, maybe it's not a good idea to keep making that 
that bigger sort of a thing. So that, that's a perfectly good choice for a Roth IRA or maybe a Roth 401k. Get to that in a moment. Yep. I, okay. I did just, just as an aside, right? Uh, so the married filing jointly, uh, the 22% tax bracket starts at $80,000 in taxable income and it yep. ends at 171. I, you know, yeah. I, I recall sometime in the last month or so, I had a discussion with somebody whose required minimum distribution would jump them over a full bracket, right? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. if, you, if you have a substantial enough 401k, uh, you know, you, if you're, you know, in this case, if your required minimum distribution is 90,000 plus, you could jump all the way from the 12% tax bracket to the 24, uh, just on the strength of your required distribution. So it's, I mean, it's not, it's not a small calculation if you are, you know, sort of a higher <laughs> income and or just a terrific saver in your 401k. Yeah. And for all of those listening to us, it's a great reason to have a comprehensive financial plan in right. place. So you'd know that before you got a big surprise the first yep. or second year in retirement. Okay. Anyway, what one other reason to maybe consider a Roth and it's called a Roth conversion. Okay. Uh, and, and I'll give an example and, and Justin can probably uh, embellish it. I'm sure, but so yeah. we, we, yeah, thank you. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we have some clients who maybe retire, I'm making this up, at age 64, uh, don't plan to collect Social Security or a pension till 66. And for some strange reason, they've saved enough money that they can live on the next two years without taking any income. Okay. Yep. Uh, and, and so in those two years, if those people are living on their cash or their investments, their tax bracket's just about zero. Okay, well, if you're going to have a year where your taxes are going to be really, really low or two, you could look into that big 401k or that big IRA and say, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I can take some money out now while I'm in a low bracket, stick it into a Roth and beat, beat some taxes out of the IRS later on. So that's called a Roth conversion, folks. And it's basically you can, you know, if you have a year or two or three, we're going to have very low taxes. Why not take some money out of your retirement plan at a low tax rate and stick it in the Roth if you didn't need it and go from there? Would you like to embellish that, my son? No, no. It's, I mean, that, that's something that we, you know, I, I think it's, a you know, the Roth conversion, if we go back even five or 10 years in, in our business, it wasn't all that, I don't think we, it wasn't all that popular, but it's, it's now, I think now more and more CPAs and financial advisors are spending a bunch of time on that, especially given kind of the change, you sort of the changing nature of retirement and, and also, uh, also kind of the updated thinking on when you take social security, right? Uh, I think people like us have been, uh, have been beating up the public about taking social security later, which, you know, which leaves you with less income, uh, up until you're 70, and that gives you, you know, more opportunity to do things like a Roth conversion. And so I, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a growing something that's that we've seen much more of in the past five years. And I think it's only going to continue uh, with the way that people are with the way that people are saving and with the way they're retiring. All righty. Right. And the, the moment we figure out a better way, the IRS will correct that and clamp down even more. That's just I think they, they don't mind the Roth. Well, yeah, you're right. If you're paying lower rates, maybe they, they always like money, you know, as soon as they can get it. But uh, if you're trading a, if you're trading a 24% uh, RMD distribution for, for a bunch of 12s pre 72, maybe they don't, maybe they won't like that as much. Yeah. Yeah. They'll clamp down sooner or later. Anyway, moving along. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so those are, traditional IRA and Roth choices. And now that we've kind of laid out that framework, we can talk about official retirement plans 
at your place of work. Okay. okay? And, and it shouldn't take too long because the, the kind of math works the same way, but they're a little bit different. So, so uh, folks, if you do have a retirement plan through your place of work, it probably fall. It's probably one of three numbers. Okay. <laughs> numbers and letters. Uh, it's probably a 401k. If you're a corporate in business or something, it's probably a 403B if you're a school teacher or a college professor. And it's probably a 457 if you're a fireman, a policeman, or a public sector employee for like a city, state, or town. So 401K, 403B, 457. Those are the three most common. Uh, okay, again, most retirement plan choices for folks not self-employed. That's a whole other category. We're not going there today. But anyway, okay, so if you have a 401k, you want to probably do that versus a traditional IRA. You know, if you're going to go the, I'll take the tax deduction right now, okay, then a 401k, a traditional 401k, okay, is a great place to do that as opposed to on your own. And, and, and the reasons are pretty simple. Number one, in a 401k, you can probably do a lot more than the $6,000 or $7,000 that you could put into an IRA. So one reason to do a 401k versus a traditional IRA is you can put more in there. Okay. Uh, and then a second and really, really, really good reason to do a 401k uh, is that there are a lot of them that come with matches where they give you free money if you put a certain amount of money in there. And wh wh where are we? A three percent? What's the traditional average these days, Justin? What do you? What do you? From see? match? Yeah, six percent, three percent. What is it? Uh, you know what? Uh, well, well, first off, you know, just to be clear, um, you said you can put more, and the limit is nineteen thousand five hundred dollars for four hundred one k and four hundred three b. Yeah. Uh, for uh, if you're below fifty, and then there's a sixty five hundred dollar catch up for those over fifty. So just getting that out there. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think the match on a 401k is very company specific. The the safe harbor matches, which which allow uh, highly compensated employees to sort of get the full amount into the 40 into 401ks, are somewhere around the three or four percent range where uh, where you. But that's that's a program that's put in place you know, just so that higher compensated employees can, you know, can get their full match. There's, there's some rules that go around 401k and the, you know, the 401k rules were written such that they, they try to make sure that the plan is not only being used by highly compensated individuals. So they, they have to, you know, satisfy all these testing requirements. So I think if I had to give you an average, it would probably be in the three, 4% range, but right. you know, there's, there are plenty of 401ks that have no match. Yeah. And then there are plenty that have, you know, you know, more substantial matches than that, where you may be getting, yeah. you know, six, 10, even 15%. Those are few and far between. Um, but I don't, I don't, you know, that's one that you need to check on your own 401k. You should, you should make no assumptions about what the, uh, what your 401k 401k matches based on our discussion here. There you, Although you may be able to get mad at your at your provider. Yeah. If, if there well, isn't by, by the way, so let's see. Did you and your sister raise our 401k matches without my knowledge a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> I did. Was, was we I did. party to that? No, we had to talk about that, Justin. Well, we anyway. accidentally reduced them. <laughs> Because there was a tax credit, we added, we yeah, added yeah, our, yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, so anyway. yeah, yeah. Anyway, folks. But by the way, folks, you know, an average, a, a typical match might be, hey, if you put in six percent a year salary, we'll give you three percent. 
Well, if your yep. salary is a hundred thousand dollars and you put in six thousand, and they're going to give you three thousand dollars, why why would you do a traditional IRA if there was a match and free money in the four hundred one k? So free money and and bigger contributions. Okay, if you have a four hundred one k at work, do it even if there's not a match, folks, because you can put in more and save faster. Okay, uh, the four hundred three b's and the four fifty sevens generally don't come with matches and the rules are generally the same and so and the amounts are generally the same so so 403b's and 57's aren't usually as good as a 401k but you would do them because you can put more than you could inside of a traditional IRA that's all okay? right many more 403b's and 457s are are in conjunction with um employment employers that have a that have a pension system right so yeah uh, I, I think that's at least one of the reasons i think in, in any 403b where i've ever seen a match it's been you know in a in a program that doesn't have a pension right yeah. like your, your average teacher won't ha won't have a match yeah is there you know they have a pension and same with you know fire stuff like that yeah you see the time there my son right we got about a minute yeah so. okay so very right. quickly folks within the last few years Many folks out there listening to us might have a 401k Roth option available to yep. them. Okay. And so whether you choose that versus the traditional 401k, same rationale we talked about earlier. You know, what's your tax bracket now? What's your tax bracket later? You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Yada, yada, yada. Okay. But but that that's kind of the landscape pay for choosing a retirement plan if you don't happen to be self-employed. We just didn't want to get into that. So my son, you want to wrap this up in about 15 or 20 seconds before we go here? What do you want to do? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, just to, just to clarify our discussion earlier about, you know, what's better, quote unquote, uh, applies the same to the Roth 401k and the traditional 401k. Uh, and so I don't think we, we won't we won't need to rehash that whole uh, discussion. Also, the, the the limits. There are no limits if you're in a 401k. Oh man, I'm getting. I thought I was. I was trying to hey. filibuster those last 15 seconds, Cindy. All right, <laughs> we're gonna run. We will be right back. <laughs>